You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan, here on this 18th day of January, 2013. Welcome to episode 254 of the Corbett Report podcast, an EMP false flag. Now, although just about everything that the political puppets and their talking head propagandists say is a complete and total lie, one thing that they are unfortunately all too correct in opining on is that we are in an age of global terrorism, because we are in an age of a global war of terror. But unfortunately, as the listeners and viewers of this podcast will be all too familiar with, that terrorism comes more often than not from the terrorists themselves, the politicians and the intelligence agents who populate the positions of power from which they can perpetrate and and coordinate these terrorist attacks. And so it is that, as we've documented here on this podcast time and time again, the most spectacular international terror events that tend to set the stage and to drive the engine of global geopolitics more often than not, comes from those intelligence agencies and the people in positions of political power to design those attacks and to help make sure that they take place. So we have gone over the false flag terror phenomenon time and time again throughout the course of the Corbett Report, so I hope you will go through the voluminous archives to take a look at some of our work on that reg- in that regard in the past. But another thing that we tend to do here is to stress that false flag terrorism only works if the people are ignorant of it and if they are scared of it. If you live in a state of being terrorized, then the terrorists do really win in a key sense. And if you do not know what is happening, then you can easily be led along by the nose by the propagandists who will basically lie to your face to try to convince you that this or that terror event was staged in this or that way, and thus we must blame this or that enemy and go to this or that war. Unfortunately, again, we've seen that happen all too frequently over the decades, and of course in this decade since 9-11 perhaps the greatest false flag terror event to happen so far in humanity's history in terms of setting the American empire on its course of world domination. And as something that we do here on the podcast from time to time is to try to inoculate people against the next possible false flag by talking about some of the possible vectors for that next false flag event, what it might look like, how it might affect people, and what types of enemies are being demonized before the event to prepare people's minds for whatever event it is that they're going to unleash. So in that regard, you might cast your mind back to episode 22 of Corbett Report Radio, where we were talking about a possible false flag scenario involving hacked drones and how that could be used to kick off something, for example, against Iran. And uh, myself and James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com have covered time and time again on New World Next Week over the years the possibility of a cyber false flag event. 
that would be used to unleash the I Patriot Act, which Richard Clark has assured some of his colleagues and confidants is already prepared, is already sitting on the shelves, is waiting for an excuse to be dusted off and rushed through Congress, exactly as the Patriot Act was rushed through Congress in the wake of the anthrax attacks. So we are very much uh, prepared and primed for a cyber false flag of some sort that, as James Evan Pilato likes to say, would be a punch in the Facebook and would get everyone to sit up and take notice, and which could then be used to steer against political enemies, as, for example, the recent banking hacking scandal that almost kind of was pumped in the uh, mainstream media for a week or two before being dropped was uh, being blamed on Iran and apparently their legion of hackers that they have unleashed in recent years. So we've seen set up towards some sort of false flag in the hacking domain. And I think that's certainly something that we should keep our eye on for the coming year. But today I'd like to posit a different false flag scenario, something that could potentially be used to blame, again, political enemies and to once again rally the, the American public and the peoples of the world to go back into war. As unlikely as that might seem right now, of course, the war mentality is only one false flag event away from rallying the people around the flag to start the war machine back up. So what kind of scenario are we positing today? Well, this is something called an EMP attack, and that stands for an electromagnetic pulse attack. And it works a little something like this. Mr. President, we have a national emergency. A nuclear weapon atop a ballistic missile has been launched from a freighter off the coast of the United States. The weapon is not designed to kill Americans, at least not directly and right away. Instead, it is meant to unleash EMP, an electromagnetic pulse that destroys electronic devices and power grids. As it detonates 300 miles above the United States, the single explosion unleashes electronic waves a million times more powerful than any radio signal on Earth. In the United States, nearly all computers fail. Telecommunications end. Transportation comes to a halt. The stock market's crippled. Bank accounts disappear. Federal officials warn EMP could paralyze America, instantly returning our country to a pre-industrial age. And they say we are utterly unprepared for it. EMP. It's a terrorist dream. An American nightmare. Are you afraid yet? Well, perhaps you should be. Or at any rate, the U.S. government believes that you have reason to be. And this comes on the back of a commission that was set up back in 2001. And this was actually funded into existence via the NDAA for fiscal year 2001, where the government formed what came to be known as the mouthful of a name, Commission to Assess the Threat to the United States from Electromagnetic Pulse Attack also known as the EMP Attack Commission. As I say, it was funded into existence in the 2001 NDAA, and in 2004, it produced an executive report and a critical national infrastructure report. And let's read from that executive report, just the overview, to get a sense what it is that the government believes that we should be scared about in this possible EMP attack scenario. So reading from that report, it says, quote, 
the high-altitude nuclear weapon-generated electromagnetic pulse is one of a small number of threats that has the potential to hold our society seriously at risk and might result in defeat of our military forces. Briefly, a single nuclear weapon exploded at high altitude above the United States will interact with the Earth's atmosphere, ionosphere, and magnetic field to produce an electromagnetic pulse radiating down to the Earth and additionally create electrical currents in the Earth. EMP effects are both direct and indirect. The former are due to electromagnetic shocking of electronics and stressing of electrical systems, and the latter arises from the damage that shocked, upset, damaged, and destroyed, electronics controls then inflict on the systems in which they are embedded. The indirect effects can be even more severe than the direct effects. The electromagnetic fields produced by weapons designed and deployed with the intent to produce EMP have a high likelihood of damaging electrical power systems, electronics, and information systems upon which American society depends. Their effects on dependent systems and infrastructures could be sufficient to qualify as catastrophic to the nation. Depending on the specific characteristics of the attacks, unprecedented cascading failures of our major infrastructures could result. In that event, a regional or national recovery would be long and difficult and would seriously degrade the safety and overall viability of our nation. The primary avenues for catastrophic damage to the nation are through our electrical power infrastructure and thence into our telecommunications, energy, and other infrastructures. These, in turn, can seriously impact other important aspects of our nation's life, including the financial system, means of getting food, water, and medical care to the citizenry, citizenry trade, and production of goods and services. End quote. All right, so that is at least part of that 2004 executive report that was issued by the EMP Commission, which was in fact re-established in 2006 and, for example, produced another report in 2008, another critical national infrastructure report uh, with some written testimony. So it continues to be something that, that is being pursued and thought about by the U.S. government and is something that is uh, from time to time being put back in front of our faces, especially over the last few months. There's been a lot of activity on this EMP attack. Well, uh, propaganda, I'd like to say, but I'll let you be the judge. So at least we know it is a theoretical possibility that some high-altitude nuclear blast could have some sort of EMP effect that could devastate electrical systems in the area, and if it affects the grid in the right way, could in fact take down the nation's electrical power grid. Quite a uh, startling idea, but why am I positing this as a potential false flag? Well, I think there are a few different vectors by which we can identify a false flag, a few things that have to come together for it to be a possible uh, nominee, shall we say, for the next false flag scenario. So, for example, I think that it has to be a potentially catastrophic event. It has to be an event that would cause enough confusion that there would be the room, the wiggle room, to use uh, the, the immediate aftermath of the events to push the, war, the nation into war or into panic mode so that uh, it can be directed against political enemies on the basis of little or perhaps even no evidence whatsoever. And there has to be a lot of forewarning and preparation in the media for such an event so that the public is receptive to it when it actually does come. So, for example, we could look at uh, the 9-11 events and we could identify how, indeed, of course, there was uh, some 
some very horrific consequences of the event itself that caused widespread uh, deaths. There was uh, confusion and panic that pushed the nation into war. I think there's no doubt about that. And of course, the media immediately rushed within the first few minutes of the attack, as we've uh, as we've identified in the past, to start blaming it on Osama bin Laden and the Al Qaeda network. So we know how this works time and time again. So we can see in the preparatory stages these types of things happening. For example, with the drone hacking, as we pointed out in Corbett Report Radio, episode 22. And also with the possibility of cyber false flag, as we've pointed out numerous times, for example, in New World Next Week. So how about in regards to an EMP attack? Can we identify these three main factors that would make this a potential vector for a false flag attack? Well, I think we certainly can. First of all, the first criteria, would this be a catastrophic attack? You think about this for a moment, how much of our lives are run on electricity? That's right. Um, Just about everything, right? Yeah, if you think about the effect of an electromagnetic pulse, it would be a um, a devastating impact. Not only would the power grid be out, it would be out for probably months, but every piece of electronics that we use, from pacemakers to phones to cars to gasoline pumps to water pumps, would all be fried. Well, that's about everything, huh? And what would happen is it unleashes shockwaves. As you've said, we call it an electromagnetic pulse. Now, people don't die on the ground, not right then. But what it does, these, these shockwaves create this EMP pulse, and it fries all of the electronics on the ground. I'm talking fries. They don't come back like after a blackout. You would have no... Internet, you'd have no cell phones that you were talking about a few minutes ago with your friend there. You would have no electricity grid, no aviation, no transportation, sanitation, refrigeration. And as the general said, he said, Karna, it would set us back to the year 1910, and don't think we're not worried about it. They had a commission that put reports out on this years ago that projected 90% of all Americans could be dead within a year after such an attack. All right. Well, that's the first criteria down. It certainly is potentially uh, the basis for a catastrophic event that would cause widespread panic amongst the public. So how about the second criteria for a potential false flag? Is this the type of event that could easily and feasibly be blamed on America's political enemies? For years, the Iranians have been taking a container ship out into the middle of the Caspian Sea and firing rockets straight up. And then they detonate the rocket and say, oh, it was a failure. It didn't go into orbit. I mean, that, that is the signature. That's, that is a clear signature of training for an EMP launch. Put the missile straight up. Iran is not the only rogue state thinking about EMP weapons. Many experts believe that the North Koreans developed a so-called super EMP, or a nuclear weapon that creates an even more powerful electromagnetic pulse. 2006, the North Koreans conducted their, you know, their first uh, nuclear test, and uh, uh, it was widely reported in the in the world press as a uh, as a failed test, uh, you know, because it was of such low yield and the seismic signal, you know, it looked like it was widely described as a fissile. This is uh, exactly what a super EMP weapon would look like. Oh, can it be blamed on America's political enemies? You bet your Billy Bobkas it can. Absolutely, there is no doubt that in the wake of any EMP attack, it would immediately be blamed on America's political enemies, either Iran or North Korea or some tandem of the two, as a lot of the media preparation would have us believe. 
And thereby, we hit on the third criteria for a potential false flag scenario. Is this something that is being prepped and hyped and pumped in the media and in mass culture to prepare people for such an eventuality? Transport, finance, electricity, communications, everything relies on a hidden network of millions of microchips, each one silently working for us. Like it or not, today, there's no going back. Think about it. You buy a cup of coffee. The guy who sells the coffee gets the grains from a supplier who has them delivered by truck from a warehouse. It's all connected. So what happens when suddenly, without warning, the connection is broken and the machine just stops? James Carafano and other experts say huge segments of the population in an attacked area could even be at risk of dying within a year of an attack, not from the detonation itself, but from starvation, exposure, lack of medical care. They say that's because the transformers that power many electrical grids take a long time to manufacture and transport, and with transportation knocked out by the attack, that prolongs the isolation. Once again, a resounding yes. So I think we have a check on all three of the main criteria for a potential false flag scenario. It is something that could cause widespread panic and potential cat catastrophe. It is something that could easily be blamed on America's political enemies. And it is something that is being prepped right now, hyped and pumped up in the media and in, by the culture creation industry in general to prepare the minds of the public for such an event and to uh, basically let the public know who they should blame if and when they ever see this occur. And we can get that not only from those clips, but from a number of different sources. And a lot of the sources you would expect to see this particular false flag fear-mongering appearing in including the Mooney Times, why not, where they recently had an editorial by Peter Vincent Pry, who is the executive director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security, a former member of the Congressional EMP Commission, and a member of the House Armed Services Committee and the CIA. So basically all the credentials you could ever need for someone who would be out there being pushed to pump and, uh, and pimp this false flag scenario. And as I say, the Mooney Times, Washington Times, recently published an op-ed from him entitled, provocatively enough, North Korea EMP attack could destroy U.S. now. Obama must take immediate action. And if that title wasn't fear-mongering enough and leading enough, the uh, rhetoric in this article itself is pretty blatant. So let's just take a look at some of this, uh, what is actually being pimped and pumped right now by people like Pry. Quote, North Korea now has an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of delivering a nuclear weapon to the United States, as demonstrated by their successful launch and orbiting of a satellite on December 12th. Certain poorly informed pundits among the, the chattering classes reassure us that North Korea is still years away from being able to miniaturize warheads for missile delivery and from developing sufficiently accurate missiles to pose a serious nuclear threat to the United States. In fact, North Korea is a mortal nuclear threat to the United States right now. North Korea has already successfully tested and developed nuclear weapons. It has also already miniaturized nuclear weapons for ballistic missile delivery and has armed missiles with nuclear warheads. 
In 2011, the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, Lieutenant General Ronald Burgess, testified to the Senate Armed Services Committee that North Korea has weaponized its nuclear devices into warheads for ballistic missiles. North Korea has labored for years and starved its people so it could develop an intercontinental missile capable of reaching the United States. Why? Because they have a special kind of nuclear weapon that could destroy the United States with a single blow. End quote. And let me add, duh, duh, duh. yes, that verbose and flowery rhetoric used to describe and to hype up this threat in the most severe term, terms should give us a clue as to the extent of the fear-mongering that is being pushed around this issue right now. And the idea of North Korea launching a nuclear attack on the United States is absolutely the most outlandish and ridiculous scenario that could possibly be conceived in world geopolitics politics right now. And I suppose the only thing going for it is the fact that the leadership of Korea, North Korea is demonstrably and certifiably insane. Uh, I don't believe they've shown the impulse to be suicidal to this point, but certainly uh, one could imagine they are insane. But I still don't think that this is anywhere near the realm of feasibility. And yet it is being really hyped up as if it is an imminent threat that needs to be dealt with right now, as Pry likes to say in that op-ed. Well, you can go continuing reading on if you are if you have the stomach for that type of fear-mongering. But if you wanted a slightly different take on the exact same scenario, you could turn to the Times of Israel, which is pimping the threat from where else? Iran. So they had this article uh, back in October. Quote, an electro electromagnetic pulse attack, the other Iranian nuclear threat. Some experts say Tehran may be preparing for an EMP strike, which could fry electrical grids with devastating consequences. Just what might happen if the Iranians got their hands on a nuclear weapon? Would they fire it at an Israeli city, causing tens or hundreds of thousands of casualties? Or would they use it as a geopolitical weapon, seeking to dominate the Middle East and forcing the hand of Western powers, either subtly or by overtly threatening death and destruction to those who fail to heed their dictates? While political scientists and world leaders have debated the likelihood of those two possibilities, there is a third plausible scenario. The use of a nuclear weapon by Iran to carry out an electromagnetic pulse attack against Israel, the US, or Europe. Such an attack could cause severe damage to the electrical grid in the targeted nations to the extent that the routines of daily life centered around the use of electrical power could be halted for a short or even long period of time. End quote. So, once again, on the basis of Iran's nuclear program, which has never been proven at this point to even be developing nuclear weapons, despite all of the hype and rhetoric that has surrounded the various IAEA reports into the issue, and all of the political gerrymandering that go on with those reports, despite all of that, uh, we are now not only talking about the possibility of the, Iran, the Iranian bomb, but we're actually talking about how they're going to use this bomb to, to potentially... Uh, coordinate an EMP strike against Israel or the US or Europe, which again would be absolutely insane, suicidal uh, uh, idea. But there again, it's uh, the type of thing that is being vociferously argued by certain people in positions to do this type of fear-mongering. One more example before we get off of this dead horse, because again, it really has ratcheted up in the last few months. We can also see this from WND.com, which posted on New Year's Day of this year, this, this article, Think EMP attack would only cut power? 
Evidence shows explosions, fires, would be prelude to the catastrophe. You've seen the warnings about an EMP attack, how it would shut down electronics so you couldn't manage your bank account, fill your car with gas, or go through the fast lane at the grocery store. But you're prepared. After all, you, brought a ge- you bought a generator, have a couple cans of gasoline, a few weeks' worth of food, and a plan to make sure your family is safe. But what would you do when the explosions start? Yes, explosions, as in the 1980s eruptions of flames from a 36-inch natural gas pipeline in the Netherlands. The Bellingham-Washington blaze in the 1990s when 250,000 gallons of gas leaked into Hannah and Whatcom Creeks and ignited. Or the New Mexico blaze that killed 12 and left an 86-foot-long crater in the ground. That danger would be very present should an electromagnetic pulse event or attack strike, according to experts on the issue. End quote. So the long and short of it is that the media at this point, or at least certain elements in the media, definitely want you to be afraid of the imminent possibility of this EMP attack, which could happen anytime out of the blue by an insane suicidal North Korean or Iranian regime, or perhaps both of them, who knows. So once again, I think that the increase in the chatter about this particular scenario is a worrying sign because it does show that there is more attention being paid to this possibility, which, as we can imagine, is one of the signs that they are preparing at least for uh, a type of coordinated response to this type of EMP attack along the lines of starting World War III with Iran. So that is worrying, and I think we should be concerned about that aspect of it, if not so much the uh, potential for Iran or North Korea to suddenly go suicidal and start one of these uh, EMP nukes off in the atmosphere above America. But perhaps one of the most worrying signs that I've heard recently on along this note came from a very recent edition of the Jack Blood Show, which airs on the No Agenda radio stream at noagendastream.com. And on the January 7th, 2013 episode of the Jack Blood Show, Jack hosted Michael Maloof, who is the author of a new book, A Nation Forsaken, about the potential harm and catastrophe that could be wreaked by an EMP attack. This could either be natural, just part of the universe, or it could be a terrorist, or it could be accident. I guess there's a number of ways something like this can happen. Well, and, and you know what's weird? Well, I was going to say, you know what's weird is there's a lot of TV shows now, of fiction, on network TV right. that are dealing with the aftermath of just such an event. Exactly. Well, it, uh, per, uh, an, an NBC program, I believe, Main Revolution, uh, is, is, talks about this. Um, the latest release of the... Uh, uh, movie Red Dawn uh, refers to it, but that that was a man-made. That would be from a probably from a nuclear high uh, nuclear high altitude nuclear explosion, uh, which would knock out all of your communications, your your, your grid system, and uh, and uh, and it also could actually affect uh, the military because uh, on our bases across the country they rely on the uh, national grid system by 99 percent. Right. So unless they've hardened things on the bases, and, and often, in most cases they have not, uh, then it's going to be problematic for the military even to respond. You work for the Department of Defense, Michael. There's no contingency yes, for this. There isn't. Um, they, they wouldn't expect this. This wouldn't be put in the overall game plan going forward because if this did happen and they were on the grid and they were dependent, as the rest of us are, on the things that run on electricity, wouldn't we be brought to our knees? 
Well, our weapon systems are increasingly being hardened uh, against an EMP because we use them against our adversaries. We we use them in Iraq and what have you on our on our uh, on our uh, aircraft. Some of our aircraft now are getting hardened. Our, some of our capital uh, warships, aircraft carriers, are similarly uh, uh, having hardened electronics to avoid this. As you know, they're strung up with all kinds of antenna. But the the, the problem is in the United States is that. Um, the Department of Homeland Security, which is, which has the responsibility to respond to any catastrophic emergency, does not list EMP as one of its 15 uh, national planning scenarios, which activates and uh, uh, mm. implements plans that uh, go into effect in case of such an emergency. Now, I'm told uh, uh, President Obama is personally aware and concerned about geostorms and what have you, but he uh, has not directed the Department of Homeland Security to make this one of their top plans. Well, they're very busy, though, Michael. They're busy strip-searching Americans and punishing political enemies. And yeah, I hate to well, that not, not be a big... Priorities. I agree with you. I'm not but, a big uh, fan of Janet Napolitano and Department of Homeland Security, the Gestapo. Well, there's, well there's, no, there's, no, there's no plan, and that's what's led me to think. And I, I didn't put this in the book, but I, as I've spoken about it with others... Uh, I, I really think that uh, there needs to be a, an EMP czar who uh, can reside in, at the National Security Council level and who can uh, coordinate activities from the federal, state, and local levels to uh, get get uh, this type of activity mm-hmm. going and work with Congress to get the proper funding because it is a it it's going to cost anywhere from twenty to fifty billion dollars to do, but the the the, the alternative will be if we get hit directly if we get hit directly with a a, a, a solar storm, which is the most immediate concern right, that I have, mm-hmm. is that uh, NASA, NASA is predicting that it could cost upwards of $2 trillion in the first year, take us uh, up to 10 years to recover, and it could affect more than 160 million Americans. All right. So far, so much the same. I, this is certainly something we've heard from a lot of different sources, as I've attempted to document so far today. So why is this particularly worrying coming from someone like Michael Maloof? Take us back to 9-11. And you were working mm-hmm. at the time with uh, the Secretary, Office of the Secretary of Defense. Is that correct? Yes, I was in the uh, Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. What do we need is to know? Right? What do we need to know about that, Michael? Uh, well, at the time, uh, when we when I got involved in it, I was actually recalled from uh, other duties. I was I was uh, performing over in uh, Central Asia. I was training border guards up in uh, Uzbekistan, and Kazakhstan, on uh, uh, on how to track down terrorists. And then I was recalled back because of my previous experience uh, uh, as as a head of a, a ten person team, uh, intelligence team that uh, uh, would look for diversions of high technology. And, and then we, our office, in, in, in coordination and cooperation with in, our intelligence and our enforcement community, would they go out and try and stop those diversions. And um, uh, so, I, I uh, when I when I was recalled back after, right after 9/11, uh, one of the first things I was asked to do was uh, look at uh, terrorist groups worldwide and uh, their relationship to Al Qaeda and state sponsors. And come up with a plan on how to how to uh, eliminate them. So I can find the choke points in anywhere in the world, so we can take them out. And what I discovered initially was that the intelligence community had not done that analysis, and it created a tremendous uproar between uh, CIA and 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 us people in policy 
uh, because they were basically yeah. saying well, you're doing our job, and 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 we I had I had uh, upper management telling me, look, we're about ready to go to war. We don't know who we're going to be fighting and where. So we I had a, I was part of a team that uh, uh, did that type of analysis, and we identified the choke points, and for a time at least uh, our our policy and our approach on counterterrorism approach, at least in the Defense Department, was based on that analysis. Ah, yes. More signs, if any were needed, that this particular idea of an attack is being pumped and pimped right now by people who are definitely in positions to know what may or may not be happening on the inside of the system. So that is just some tantalizing clues as to what's in that interview. I hope you will follow the links from the show notes of today's episode to go and listen to that whole interview that Jack conducted with Michael Maloof. I think Jack did a great job of drawing him out little by little and finding out some of the details about what Michael knew about what was happening on 9-11, etc., without actually getting him to hang up in Jack's ear, which is a delicate balance. So I hope you will go and listen to that full interview for the full context of that. But yes, suffice it to say, there are people in these types of positions who right now are doing their level best to spread fear and panic about the potential for an EMP attack. And uh, this leaves us in the position of basically seeing, reading the, the, the writing on the wall, that at any rate, this is a potential vector for a false flag. As I say, it corresponds very well to the criteria that we would be expecting the next false flag to have, including the idea that it would cause widespread destruction, it would cause panic, it would cause the populace to turn to the government, what are you going to do about this? Who are we going to kill to avenge the, the terrible wrong that's been done to us? And it could very easily be used to lead us into another war, as unthinkable as that would seem right now on this side of the false flag divide. So where does that leave us? Well, of course, that leaves us in the position that we're always in when it comes to false flags, which is that if we in the public fear these scenarios, and if we are left in that position of being helpless and depending on the government to protect us from such things, then we are vulnerable to uh, terrorism of all sorts, whether it comes from the government itself or if it was spontaneous real terrorism that came from some outside force, it would amount to the same thing. It would mean that we would be in the position, oh, please defend us, government saviors, which of course is always the position of maximum weakness, and that's also the position where we can most easily be led along into whatever wars of retaliation that are supposedly waged in the name of these whatever attack comes. So we have to not only inoculate others against this by showing them that there is a lot of hype around this right now, that it's being prepared and put into people's minds, we also have to talk about, well, what can we possibly do to prepare ourselves for this type of scenario? Well, of course, this is something that would affect people who are uh, using electronic devices, and if you are in any way, shape, or form listening to my voice right now on any type of electronic device, then this is something that would at least theoretically affect you if it did um, actually take place in your locality. Your electronic equipment would be fried in the event of an EMP attack, and that would likely have a dramatic and profound effect on your life. Perhaps less so than others, depending how much on or off the grid you are, but since I'm assuming that everyone listening to this is in some way or another on the grid, that means that it would affect your life. So how do we go about 
at least potentially protecting some of our devices, or at least some of our most important devices, from an EMP attack so that we would have the ability to potentially communicate with each other or to at least uh, access some of our most important electronic materials or devices in the event of such an attack. Well, actually, the idea for how to, to do exactly that comes from an IO9 article that was posted in April of last year, to April 19th, 2012, under the headline, Could a Microwave Save Your Electronics During an EMP Attack? Quote, If a nuclear bomb is detonated high in Earth's atmosphere, the damage from the blast would not be in the form of vaporized buildings, but in the form of a wide-scale electromagnetic pulse. With the EMP would come a voltage spike that would likely fry most electronics. Ideally, a Faraday cage would divert the energy from an electromagnetic pulse and prevent damage to the electronics within. Faraday cages are containers made of a conducting material, typically copper or aluminum sheets or mesh, with the conducting material altering the alignment of electrical charges inside to counteract the incoming energy pulse. Faraday cages are simple to make. The first consisted of a small room covered in metal foil, with the foil successfully countering high-voltage discharges from the electrostatic generator and preventing changes in the electrostatic environment inside. You can create your own Faraday cage easily, but you likely have one. Your microwave oven. The walls of the microwave are made of conductive metal, with the viewing hole similar to a mesh wall in a Faraday cage, making a microwave a hybrid Faraday cage. I measured the holes on my microwave and they came out to one millimeter, small enough to theoretically block a pulse with a frequency of up to 300 gigahertz. An electromagnetic pulse would give off energy with a variety of frequencies, but your microwave should block the bulk of them. You can test your microwave by placing a radio or cell phone inside of it and checking for signal. Can you call the phone in the microwave? How is your radio reception once inside? You are more than likely unable to make a call or get a signal. The type of electromagnetic energy used in a cell tower or radio transmission will be stronger, but your microwave might make for a good barrier against it. If you want to go even further, toss some electronic items you would need in a disaster in an old microwave and cover it in reflective metal tape to secure your microwave oven turned Faraday cage even more. In the event of an EMP, the cord of your microwave, if plugged in, could also act as a ground, further helping discharge any energy. I would probably clip the cord or leave it unplugged so I didn't actually microwave my cell phone in the middle of the night. You could also buy a broken microwave and seal it with additional metal tape on the edges to quickly make a Faraday cage for long-term use. End quote. Well, there you go. At the very least, this is something that you can do with an old microwave or uh, that you have or that you know someone else is just going to throw out anyway. It is something that you could store uh, an electronic items inside in the event of some sort of EMP pulse. For example, how about foil-wrapped batteries and a shortwave radio? so that in the aftermath of an EMP attack, you would at least have the possibility of receiving uh, shortwave transmissions from areas of the world that have not been affected by that EMP attack. And although in the immediate wake of an EMP uh, pulse that would be strong enough to take out the, the national electronic infrastructure, the, there would be lingering effects in the atmosphere which would make reception difficult within those first few hours and days. But at any rate, hopefully after that dissipates, you would be able to at least get some sort of information from the outside world. 
At any rate, it's one idea of what people can do to start preparing themselves. There are many other ideas, and I think at the very, very least, this should be prompting us towards thinking about getting off the grid, in not only in the, the most literal senses, but in every possible sense, in terms of decreasing our dependence on the national electrical infrastructure, which, as we know, is being tied into the smart grid infrastructure, which is going to make us even more subject to 100% surveillance, as uh, disgraced CIA director Panetta, sorry, not Panetta, Petraeus, said just last year, the CIA will in the near future be able to spy on you through your fridges and toasters and electronic appliances because all of this data will be wired into the smart grid. Well, what better way to get around the smart grid than to look into such things as distributed electricity generation and uh, looking at ways that uh, electricity generation is going to be more and more produced at a local level rather than produced at giant uh, power power stations and then transmitted to you however many kilometers away from that station you might be and however much waste there might be in such a system. So there is distributed electricity generation uh, systems that are being developed more and more, I suggest that you start your research into that for yourself so that you at least become familiar with some of this with the caveat and the proviso that a lot of this is linked to veritable eco-nonsense that is in itself tied into the smart grid idea and is pumping those those types of ideas. So you have to be a bit careful in that research, but I think there are some fruitful ways of looking to individual and localized electricity power generation that can at least start getting us thinking about getting off the grid. It's also important to note that an EMP attack might not just be not necessarily be an attack. It might be the result of a solar storm. There have been solar storms in recorded history as little as 120, 150 years ago that would have, if there was a national electricity infrastructure at the time, have knocked the power grid out. It was strong enough to do so. And uh, there, of course, there is always the possibility that at any moment we could encounter a solar storm of that size and that would at the very least affect the national power grid. So that is something that we should keep in mind. If this actually does happen, it isn't even necessarily the result of an attack. It could be a natural phenomenon. Of course, that would not necessarily stop the government from using the confusion and panic to blame it on political enemies as if it was an attack anyway. So again, this false flag has a lot of different vectors. So we've looked at this as a possible false flag scenario today. I would throw in one caveat or proviso to all of this, and that is that if I don't believe that this would make a plausible false flag scenario if it was taken to its extreme of knocking out the entire national power grid, completely disabling all communications, and basically killing off 90% of the population, false flag attacks tend to be more localized. And yes, they do tend to be spectacular events, but they're events that can be used to stimulate a mass of people to be scared of a relatively small phenomenon. This would be a massive phenomenon that in itself could potentially even take down the government's ability to communicate its propaganda to the masses. So I wonder if this would not be too large an event for that type of false flag scenario. This is more of the type of event that might be used in a depopulation or endgame scenario. So this might be a slightly different type of event, but nonetheless, there might be a smaller localized instantiation of the EMP attack that might be trotted out as an example that once again could be used to goad people into another war with 
Iran slash North Korea slash whatever enemy of the moment they want to uh, to make you scared of. So having said all of that, I will leave you once again out there to begin your research into this. I will humbly suggest the show notes for today's episode at CorbettReport.com as a starting guide for that research. I've linked up all the documents, articles, and videos that we've taken a look at today, as well as that interesting interview that Jack Blood conducted with Michael Maloof. So I hope you'll check into that and start researching some more possibilities for this type of false flag scenario. And by all means, let me know about your research. Contact me through the contact form at CorbettReport.com. I'd be interested to hear what you guys out there can dig up. And on that note, we're going to leave it for now, and I'll just remind people that there is going to be a new occasional podcast series that's going to be released once a month, the first edition of which will be released on Monday. This is going to be an audio-only podcast, so only people who are subscribed to the RSS feeds on CorbettReport.com or who are actually visiting CorbettReport.com will be able to see and download this uh, this MP3. So for all of you out there in YouTube land or watching the video, please go to CorbettReport.com on Monday for the first edition of this new occasional podcast series. That's all I'll say for now. Stay tuned for that. And until next week, thank you all for listening. Take care. <laughs>